0: it's michelle and i am here of course with ashley what a great season of mentor chat that was you know what i really enjoyed getting a chance to sit down with our affiliate partners to hear about their local and national initiatives as it relates to the mentoring movement um for those of you listening we hope you enjoyed it too definitely
1: you know we don't often get to share so much about our affiliates and the work being done nationally usually in our day to day, we're focused on what's happening locally. So it was a really nice treat to be able to take time for those conversations and also let people know about all the other important work happening. Exactly. I agree 100%. And we have so many affiliate partners doing
0: amazing things. You know, our conversations with Mike, Charlene and Brenda, though, happen to be very timely given past episodes of mentor chat and the direction of the mentoring movement. I really think Brenda's episode captured the importance of the work that we as affiliates do to help positively influence the spaces where kids live and learn, work, and play.
1: Yeah, I was excited that we were able to kick off the season with Mike. The Becoming a Better Mentor Guide being released was such a big deal, and it was awesome that we got him on right at the start of that, and it's a really impressive resource. I love too how Mentor released it in different formats. So it's available in the full chapters, summarized videos, and soon it'll be a full audio file. So you can listen to it like an audiobook. And even doing this work daily for a few years now, I definitely learned new skills and strategies from the information. Like chapter four really stuck with me. That was the attunement and mentoring relationships. And at first I was like, what does attunement even mean? And then I read the chapter and I learned. Mm-hmm. And so I learned a lot and I've been trying to be more mindful of how I attune to my relationships. So being aware of my personal feelings, my body language, and the responses that I'm having when I interact with my mentee, in addition to paying attention to those same things in my mentee. And then before, I didn't necessarily realize or consider how those things were impacting the relationship in such a big way. And so it's helped me to be a lot more self-reflective and also pick up on those subtle cues from my mentee. Folks listening, definitely check that resource out if you haven't already. Also, Sophia, who works at TMP2, you may have heard her voice in some commercials or a Stay Inspired or two. She's having live chats to discuss each chapter. And so you can go onto our website to register for those if you're interested. And we hope that all of you who listen got as much out of these conversations as we did. And we'd love to continue those conversations with you. Please reach out to us. You can reach out to us on our website, over social media, give us a phone call. Don't come to the office because it's still not open (laughs) because of the pandemic. But we really welcome you to share with us what stood out to you or any lingering questions you might have. We'll include all of that contact information in the show notes.
0: Yeah, we would love for listeners to reach out and provide feedback. And I think like you said, Ashley, those uh becoming a better mentor live with Sophia will be a great opportunity to just have those chats centered around those various chapters of the guide. Thanks so much for sharing like your insight as you dive into it. I'm eager to get through and, and a lot of those things I'm sure I'll apply to my parenting role as well. But further highlights, you know, why these conversations are important. Hi, my name is Sophia. As the Training and Engagement Manager at the Mentoring Partnership, I help to support the training needs of mentors and mentees in our region. As Mentor Chat listeners, you may have heard about the new resource, Becoming a Better Mentor Guide, Strategies to Be There for Young People. As part of a new and exciting engagement effort, I'll be offering monthly virtual coffee chats centered around each topic in the guide. You can find out how to register at mentoringpittsburgh.org. And since this is a coffee hour, make sure that you grab your coffee, tea, or any beverage of choice and a friend and join in on the chat. So you and I talked a lot about like, where, where do we want our chats to go from here, right? And given the challenges that we continue to face as a society around um, these traumatic events, the pandemic, the war, mass shootings, racially charged mass shootings, et cetera, um, I think it's important to talk about mentoring relationships and how they Specifically, impact the mental health and well being of young people. And I want to be cautious not to correlate like mentoring with making these monumental changes on all these challenges that we've been experiencing, but just by the nature of us experiencing them, being in relation with one another, like positive relation, is going to help make a big difference on everyone's overall health and well being. So as we came into 2022, you know, our work really started to center around the intersection between mental health and youth mentoring. And we We're fortunate enough to partner with the Jewish Healthcare Foundation to kick off a series titled, We're Mentoring and Youth Mental Health Meet. We had some remarkable conversations, but it really just only began to scratch the surface. You know, I think moving forward in our chats, we should spend some time digging deeper. We got to hear from different experts in our region centered around mental health, We also got to hear from you specifically. So I would love in our next season of mentor chat to really open the door a little further on that and hear people's experiences related to any relationships that they're a part of and how that does help impact their mental health and well-being.
1: Yeah. And if anyone listening who wants to listen to the next season missed out on that series, don't worry. All of the recordings are available on our website, so we'll include that link in the show notes as well. I like how you mentioned, uh, Michelle, that you don't want to—you don't want to say that mentoring is the cure to everyone's mental health issues. And I think that's a really important point. I think about our first season when we talked about mentoring myths. I don't think we said that explicitly, but we definitely talked about boundaries. And a mentor is not a therapist. That being said, the mentor can help recognize the signs when a young person is struggling and help them get resources. Talk to them too. Maybe make sure that it's okay that uh, you reach out to other people to get help.
0: Yeah, I love that you said talk to them because that was one of the things that came up in this series when we heard from youth It's like just create that space to normalize talking about tough things and being intentional and not try to gloss over that. And I know I'm definitely guilty of that as a parent. Like I want to protect my kids and allow them to be kids for as long as they can, but they hear these stories, they catch them at school, right? We can't act like these things aren't happening. Um, Talking to them and asking them, like, how do you pause and care for yourself or what's helpful is really key. Um, One of the other things, Came up for me like at the height of the pandemic. I remember that quote from Fred Rogers about helpers. He says, When he was a boy and would see scary things in the news, his mother would say to him, To look for the helpers, that you always find people who are helping. And at one point, I was like, But who's helping the helpers? Right. And just We can get burnt out when you're in a helping profession. So I think about those essential workers at that time, nurses, doctors, folks who are having to report to work, the grocery store, because they were the ones really on the front line, um, as well as you serving professionals. So who's helping the helpers, right? So I think another way that mentors and you serving professionals can help mentees is simply by being intentional of helping themselves and practicing self-care. Um, I think that's now a term we tend to throw around and we associate with bubble baths and drinking tea and it's much more than that. And I found out for me just over the past few years of being very intentional about self-care. So being like proactive versus reactive that I'm trying to build that into my day-to-day. And I think that's another way, right? When we talk about not quote unquote fixing young people if they're struggling, I think just by us modeling our own self-care and prioritizing that and having an actual plan in place is going to be very impactful. You mentioned uh, being able to access the series. We offered a bonus session in collaboration with Still Smiling, a program in residence at Neighborhood Allies who worked with attendees on creating a mental health care plan. And I think that was very impactful because you had to jot it down, like, who would you call in case of X, Y, and Z? So that in times of distress or overwhelm, that you could default to something, right? Versus try to Figure out like, what am I going to do in this moment? I'm excited to dive deeper and look more in depth of um, just kind of what people are experiencing, talk to experts. And I think that seems to be the next ideal direction for mentor chat.
1: Yeah. And to kind of kick us off a little early, we actually have some clips from past guests about their self care. <laughs> In our season two interview with Eric Harper, principal of Duquesne Elementary, we asked him how he practices self-care and also how he encourages and promotes self-care with his staff
2: and teachers. So um, I'll speak on the staff first. Our teachers association provides mental health supports. You know, I try not to take a lot of their free time away from them. So because every morning we have an allotted amount of time for professional development, I could take every single day to do that but I don't. I'm intentional with that as well. So that staff have the opportunity to gear themselves up and prepare for students for the day. So I'm very uh, mindful of that. Also making sure that I'm checking in on the status of their well-being. You know what I mean? You know, just being mindful and being out there and going in and out of classes, talking to teachers. If, you know, I see that they might be a, a tad bit stressed out based on, maybe the amount of write-ups that I'm receiving from that particular teacher. I don't just let that just let that slide. Like we're going to have a conversation and I'm going to ask you, do you need some additional support? Do you need some help? So asking those questions obviously can go a long way. But in regards to myself, how do I kind of unwind or how do I take care of myself is really, you know, I go home to four kids every day and although it might not sound Easy or or it even might sound cliche, like I really turn that off. Like I turn school off. It's really about them. Like I come home, how was your day? So I let them unload on me, which kind of takes my mind off of the days that I've had. So um, by nature, go right into a coaching slash mentoring role with my own children. And to me, that's satisfying to have that opportunity to go home and listen to how my children's day was is like invigorating to me. And I know that sounds crazy because I deal with all these stressful things during the day and I'm always trying to support those students, but I always want to make sure when I get home, like I give my kids the undivided attention and let them air out, let them air it out on me. And like I said, I actually get some type of almost like a a rest. It's a rest for me, even though sometimes I don't like what my kids might say, (laughs) but it's still like, well, I gave them that opportunity to, you know, let Dad know what's going on, but they don't look at me as principal. they just talk to me like they're like they're dead and say things that I don't want to hear most of the time, but I listen. <laughs>
0: Uh, It's been a while since we had those conversations, but it was so interesting to hear how Mr. Harper prioritizes self-care for the teachers, just in allowing that kind of free space for them to plan, et cetera, and not kind of eating that up with meetings, professional development, et et cetera, just having that intentional check-in. I thought it was also very interesting that he mentioned about if he saw the increase in referrals coming from a teacher, that that could be telling that maybe they did need a check-in just with regard to their overall health and not insinuating that things may not be happening, but it could definitely indicate that maybe they weren't feeling their best, right? So I thought that was telling. I also appreciated the fact that he talked about his family and just thinking about what relationships that people are in that are fueling rather than replenishing. So I really appreciate him sharing. Now we're going to hear from Dr. Harriet Schwartz, professor at Antioch University on her take on self-care.
3: You know, there's this other side to what we've been talking about in terms of giving that extra and showing up all the time, which is that it also means we have to take care of ourselves. And so I would say if a mentoring experience becomes difficult or seems like it has some tension, then part of that self-care might be to reach out to you guys or to the you know head of the program or whatever and do some consulting about that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I still consult with colleagues when I have student situations that I'm trying to think through and then the self-care of the, uh, the flip side of like bringing that energy late in the day is like at some point I need to refuel right I need to make sure that I get some time off later in the evening or over the weekend and do the things that I can do that help re-energize me so there is a balance there
0: that is a piece of the work like you, you can't give from an empty tank and it's hard to be intentional if you're deplenished right like if we're being intentional and we want to genuinely see each other Grow and, and flourish. Like, we also have to take the time to care for ourselves.
3: Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, if, you know, when we're dedicated, you know, I mean, you were talking earlier about the teachers who do go to the game after school or do do the extra check in. I mean, it all takes a ton of energy. And I think teachers and anyone who signed on for a mentoring program as an adult like to come in and mentor kids. I mean, that's you're giving a lot and it does take a lot. So it can be endless. I mean, right? You want to keep giving because you are someone who cares and you want to make a difference. This is something I have to like get a reset every six months or so. I have to pause because I get into stuff and I'm working so hard and I love it. And then I'm exhausted. <laughs> and so I need to like take a survey of what I'm doing and so on. So that's another one that's sort of a lifetime challenge for me, but I do try to keep it in mind. I need to do those things to refuel. Otherwise I'm gonna I'm gonna run out of steam.
1: You know, the topic of self-care came up really naturally when we talked with Harriet originally. We didn't even ask about it or bring it up specifically, but it's clearly something that she prioritizes and she brought it to that conversation. So we really appreciated that it came up like that. I think that Harriet speaks so well to so many people's experiences, especially when she talks about how we, we care so much and people in roles with young people or mentor roles or teaching roles and those helper roles they care a lot. And because of that, they do a lot and frequently also forget to care for themselves or push those needs aside sometimes in order to give more to others or care more for others. I love how she mentioned how she handles that in her own work and life. And I think it's a great strategy. So making intentional time and space to check in with yourself and reevaluate. And our next clip is, you might remember hearing from Greg Bear, the executive director of the Grable Foundation, earlier this year when we released his interview as a special feature episode for National Mentoring Month. We saved this little piece of it just for this moment. As you probably heard, Greg wears a lot of different hats in the community, so we wanted to know more about how he balances his self-care while doing all of that.
0: How do you take care of yourself to ensure that you have the energy and the excitement to continue to do this work day in and day out?
4: Not well enough. (laughs) Um, And I think I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I have surrounded myself with people and organizations in my life, like you all and the people in this community that I get to work with, support. There's a real fuel that other people and their work give to me. There is undoubtedly a ton of fuel that my wife and my two girls give to me. I feel there's been nothing more humbling in my life than parenthood. And I guess it's in part the hazard of the work that I do, having learned so much about education and learning and the learning sciences, I try every day to to just notice a little bit more in my own girls and how they're learning, what they're learning, what their questions are, And then noticing their experience in their school and and right here on my own street where I live and the real joy that really neighbors have created in this sort of beautiful learning environment in which my kids are are being raised. I think my joy and my self-care really comes from my wife and my daughters and what we get to do together, but it's my chance to be a kid together again with them and that being a kid with them. I think has reminded me about the importance of play in my own life.
0: I really appreciate Greg's response when he said not well enough. I think that's very relatable for most, right? That maybe prioritizing that we all have room to be a little more intentional um, and do better. What was so great about what Greg shared in his personal experience that I think we can all learn from is that Greg brought up this notion of where he finds joy and equated that to his self-care, which I really love. So I think sometimes it's hard for us to think about, like, how how do I prioritize self-care? Like, what does that look like? And I would just encourage folks to just simply start with the things that bring you joy. I thought that was a great a great lesson. Last but not least, We'll hear from Dr. Dana Winters, Executive Director of the Fred Rogers Center, and her thoughts on her work in in correlation with self-care and really the healing effects that it has on relationships. And I enjoyed her response because I think it continues to highlight the reason why we really steered the last couple episodes in this direction is really that everyday mentoring work at its finest. Let's hear from Dana.
5: I think anecdotally, my favorite comment, it actually came from the crossing guards. They said that simple interactions was like a big group hug, which I think is lovely to think of. We see a lot of emotion because typically we don't focus on things that are good. That if there's somebody observing a classroom, it's to have a checklist of all the things that aren't going well that we need to work on. Um, So it's a a little bit of a flip from maybe the the typical way to approach uh, professional development or professional learning opportunities. We have seen for the adults who are a part of this, we've seen a decreased level of depression in the workplace. And we've also seen an increase in psychological safety and well-being within the workplace. Um, one, because they have a community of peers, but two, you know, also because they're, they're focusing in on things that they're doing well in relational spaces and something that they have a lot of agency in how they can continue there are increases in self-efficacy and collective efficacy and confidence in relational practice. And then for, for children and young people, it's very much that kind of intangible, immeasurable, I feel appreciated, I feel seen, I feel heard, um, I feel included. Um, there was an increase in help-seeking behaviors in some of our work, especially in early childhood environments because again when you have that trusted safe place you're more likely to reach out for help you're more re- you're more likely to persist when things are difficult instead of maybe quitting or independently trying to find the answer so it's that the children began reciprocating much of that relational practice to the point that they would engage and begin the relational practice
1: Really incredible outcomes. We talk a lot about self-care. Um, it's come up in our conversations, just in the field generally. I think when we're supporting young people and like supporting each other, especially people in these helping roles, it can be it can be draining. It can be a lot of work. The way that you were talking to these impacts that it's having, it made me think of how can we incorporate collective self-care by supporting the helpers and drawing attention to things that they're already doing, work, investing in their self-care.
5: Ashley, you're you're completely right. And I think it's partially a self-care because we're not going in and giving anybody another thing to do. Rather, we're highlighting all the important things they're already doing. And somehow that feels very, very different (laughs) from, you know, somebody, maybe an expert coming in and saying, giving a checklist and saying, here's all the things you need to do. Instead of saying, look at all of the wonderful things you are doing, keep going. And there is a a lens of appreciation and affirmation included in that, which goes a long way for self-care too, and goes a long way for um, making sure that the helpers are at their best. Because I, I think many of us in helping professions and helping fields and helping systems believe that all impact must be made at the child level to make any difference, that we neglect the needs of the adults who are doing the work. And there's no way that we'll make any kind of lasting impact on children if we're not taking care of our helpers. If we are not serving the families and helpers and those who are doing the hard work of helping children to develop, if we're neglecting their needs, we won't be able to help children at all.
1: Dana said that all perfectly, right? And for those of you who are used to uh, stay inspired at the end of our episodes, we thought that Dana pretty much summed it up just as it needed to be. So look for that to continue in season four. We're really excited to continue this important conversation in season four. We know it's an important conversation and one that's really relevant at the moment. In the meantime, while you wait for season four to come out, make sure you stay in the loop with us at TMP. You can follow us on social media visit our website for all sorts of information and resources, and even sign up for our newsletter to learn about all the latest events. Remember to take care of yourself, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Mentor Chat is written, produced, and hosted by Michelle Thomas and Ashley Wildland, with the Mentoring Partnership of Southwestern Pennsylvania. Our music is Cheery Monday by Kevin MacLeod. Special thank yous to Kristen Allen and the Mentoring Partnership team. For more information about us and mentoring, take a look at this episode's show notes and visit the Mentoring Partnership's website at www.mentoringpittsburgh.org.